This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 27th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. The CEO of a major car company says the auto industry will rebound strongly next year, but a survey of auto dealers indicates they're pessimistic about their prospects for 2023. Who's right? (laughs) Hard to tell, but we'll have our thoughts on all this coming up. While many politicians claim the move to green cars will add jobs to the auto industry, a vehicle manufacturing plant in Illinois is about to close based on what its owner says is the cost of electrification. We'll give you the details on that, give you our thoughts. Here's a good one, too. In Switzerland, proposed regulations on energy use are stopping EV sales in their tracks. We'll tell you what the Swiss are proposing and how similar regulations could be instituted right in your own state. So it's not just something overseas here. We'll tell you about that a little later in the show. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury. So imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at DrivingToday.com slash auto insurance. That's DrivingToday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. Hi, I'm Jack Red. With me is co-host Chris Teague. Chris lives at one end of the country. I live at the other. Each week we get together to talk about cars, the car industry, and ways we can get more out of our automotive dollar. It seems like it's getting harder and harder. Here's a question I got for you, Chris. Do you have snow on the ground there? I'm, I'm wondering if you're looking at a white Christmas. Well, we got snow last night, Jack. It's a, kind of a wimpy snow, though. I can still see some grass. So it's a little disappointing to be in Maine, you know, one of the snowiest states. And uh, we're being beaten by, I think, Detroit at this point in time in terms of uh, comprehensive snowfall for the year so we'll see how it goes probably it will be white for christmas though well that would be nice yeah i like it when it snows around christmas and then when the snow goes away and it never comes back (laughs) (laughs) but that i don't think that's going to happen in maine there's snow in the mountains here in southern california i think the snow level is going to drop to like two or three thousand feet here which is you know kind of uh, indicates it's pretty cold what is your vehicle you're going to have this week? I spent the week in the 2023 Chevrolet Bolt EUV. A very exciting crossover. I'll talk all about it here in just a few minutes. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about that. I was road testing and will be road testing the 2023 Hyundai Elantra HEV. Had that for a full week. We have a great guest too, Thomas Sunday is the Senior Planner for Product Education at Toyota. He's gonna be talking about the 2023 Toyota Prius All new Prius, it's coming up. But before we do anything else, we'll be bringing you some of the most important auto-related information from around the world. So stay with us. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Nierad with you. And we're so glad you're with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Chris Teague. This is Jack Nierad with you. It is news time. And there's some fascinating news going on. There's a big difference of opinion, I think, between some car makers and some car dealers about what 2023 is going to be like. Uh, that's number one. Uh, we talked about this before the break. Uh, General Motors Chief Executive Mar- Mary Barra said that she expects new car vehicle, uh, new vehicle sales to be much stronger next year. Um, she thinks there's going to be a big rebound, and she thinks... Sales of new cars and light trucks will be about 15 million units next year. In comparison, the estimates are for this year, they're going to be about 13.7 million. So that's a big gain. Of course, in the in the Halcyon days, <laughs> they were like 17 million or something like that. So it's a, a major shortfall. Even 15 million is a big shortfall from what they used to be. 
Well, I think she's saying what all of us want to hear, right? We've all been sitting around waiting for the day that new vehicle supply rebounds so we can go out and buy the car that we want. Uh, maybe she has, well, in fact, I'm sure she has insight into production numbers and their forecasts and all that. So, I mean, if she says it, maybe it's more than wishful thinking at this point in time. She might actually be, there might actually be something there. Yeah, well, I hope so. I mean, uh, industry analysts, and you know, a lot of industry analysts try to figure out what sales are going to be in the coming year. And I think the guesstimates are around 14.5, 14.7 million units in that area. So she's more optimistic than that. At the same time, she does acknowledge there is economic uncertainty out there. And she says, no one really knows how the economy will fare next year. So I guess that's a bit of uh, hedging of, of bets. <laughs> she also says the economy is going to grow by just 1.2%. That's her pred prediction of economic growth. I mean, that's way, way down from what we experienced uh, a few years ago uh, when it was 3 4 5%. I mean, that's almost a recession when you key in uh, what's going on in terms of inflation. Uh, that's hardly growth at all. Yeah, I mean, people are still buying cars. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where we end up this time uh, next year, even by the middle of next year to see, you know, if we're starting to, to see the uh, – Production numbers ramp back up, delivery numbers ramp back up. And as you say, what that's going to do with dealers, what they're going to end up doing that uh, with pricing on their lots and with availability of the new models, because there are a lot of new things about to hit the street this year. Right. Yeah, a lot of cool new cars. We're excited about those. There are concerns about the economy that are affecting dealers, though. They've, they've kind of been in Fat City recently because while they haven't had a ton of inventory, they've been getting a lot for each of the vehicles they've been selling, and so dealer profitability has been up. But they're not at all uh, optimistic about next year. In fact, uh, their predictions, this according to Cox Automotive, their dealer sentiment index, is down to its all-time low <laughs> uh, because they're, they're worried about what's going on with the economy. They're also worried about interest rates. And, of course, interest rates are very, very difficult for car dealers because so many people finance their cars. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe once in my life I've purchased a car just with cash flat out, but I don't know very many people that don't need financing. So uh, right now, you know, just shopping around, even with great credit, it's a terrible time to try to get a loan. So I can see that. But you also have to look at the other side of this. You know, I was re reading Volvo's moving towards a direct sales uh, model here. Ford is doing it now in Europe with a lot of its new electric vehicles. So the writing is on the wall there that the automakers are taking or trying to take back some of this uh, sales magic, I guess, if you want from the dealers. So uh, they do have pressure coming from more more sides than just the the economy at this point. Yeah, that is a good point. And uh, we're seeing some uh, some makers introduce new lines. I think the new Scout line, for example, from Volkswagen will be sold direct as opposed through Volkswagen dealers. And I, I'll tell you, if I were a Volkswagen dealer and, and been with Volkswagen through some of the hard times and, you know, kept things going and kept the lights on and done the service for my for my customers, I don't know that I'd be all that enthusiastic about this direct sales model that uh, seems to be, again, uh, raising its head in the industry. Yeah, they're losing out on the sales up front, and they probably have fewer service uh, appointments down the road because they're, you know, EVs don't have all the moving parts that gas engines do. So uh, it's a nervous time. I could definitely see, you know, I love to talk about dealer markups and how, how angry they make me when I'm shopping for a car that I really want. But uh, you know, the, it's definitely a nervous time. I could I could see why they're nervous right now. Yeah, nervous about inventory, nervous about interest rates, all of that. Well, here is a, a thing that we talked about earlier, and uh, we'll get specific about it. It's a, a Stellantis plant in Illinois, in Belvedere. Actually, it's pretty close to Rockford, Illinois, uh, that is um, going to halt operations in February, maybe never to resume. 
uh, which is the, the major problem. I mean, you see plants shut down for a couple of weeks here and there all the time. But this plant employs about 1,300 workers, 1,350 workers. It builds the Jeep Cherokee, uh, which isn't exactly jumping off the shelves right now. In fact, I don't think there is a 2023 Cherokee uh, out there from Stellantis. And here's what Stellantis said about uh, shutting down this plant, at least, and they haven't said that they're shutting it down forever, but they have said they're going to shut it down in February. They say the industry has been adversely affected by a multitude of factors like the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, the global microchip, uh, microchip shortage, and the most impactful challenge, and I found this interesting that they'd say this, is the increasing costs related to the electrification of the automotive market. I mean, they're, they're flatly pointing the finger at EVs as being an issue. They're investing billions of dollars. And what they're saying is, if we're investing these billions of dollars in EVs, we don't have the, the money to keep this plant open. Well, it's interesting to hear because they have, if I'm not mistaken, they've been later to announce some of these changes than a lot of the other automakers. And the changes they've announced don't go as far as most of the other automakers uh, either. I think with Jeep specifically, what is it, one, maybe one electric concept we've seen so far. Um, we have a couple of plug-in hybrid models out there. So uh, they're dragging. But, I mean, it is interesting, you know, now that you're saying this, to hear that that is the quote. Uh It'll be fun to see if they repurpose that plant for electric vehicles down the road or, or what they will do with it, period, I guess. Yeah, they do say that they expect EVs to make 100% of their sales in Europe. This is Stellantis, so multiple brands, including the, the former Chrysler brands here, Chrysler Corporation brands here in the United States that include Jeep and Dodge and Ram uh, and so forth. Uh, and 50% in the United States by 2030, as you say, you can make the case that they've been slow to adopt EVs and maybe they're playing catch up and suddenly realize, oh boy, we got to spend billions upon billions upon billions of dollars. And seeing uh, sales of Cherokee be fairly slow, they're, they're probably going to move production of that vehicle to a plant in Toluca, Mexico. I just found that really fascinating. And it's also interesting uh, that this comes in the wake of General Motors and LG um, finding that their battery plant will be unionized by the UAW. I think that's another maybe difficult thing for some automakers to swallow because it uh, potentially adds to their costs. So interesting that they would point the finger so directly, I think, at EVs. Yeah, well, you've heard some automakers, uh, high up CEOs and so on, uh, you know, saying this is not a consumer driven shift, that this is a government or a legislatively driven uh, shift. So I think there is a sentiment along with some of these people that, you know, the buyers don't actually want this, that they're just being forced into doing this uh, from some outside factor. So, uh, but I mean, if you're if you're sitting in his seat looking at the numbers that, that they're going to have to drop into this, uh, maybe it wouldn't have been so impactful as we had talked about just a minute ago if they had done this years ago. But uh, I don't know. Time will tell. I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see how many Jeeps we actually end up with uh, electric, electrified Jeeps other than just plug-in hybrids. Down yeah, and it's interesting that the plug-in hybrid, the number one plug-in hybrid is a Jeep. So <laughs> they have that going for them. Well, yeah. we talked about this plan in Switzerland. Here, and here's the proposal in, in a nutshell. The government has uh, proposed to limit the use of electric vehicles when there is a power crunch, as there have been in uh, Western Europe uh, quite, a, uh, quite often recently. And this has sent a chill through electric vehicle sales because people are going, well, <laughs> you know, just because we have a power crunch, I probably need my car more than ever, not less. Um, so 
the importers of, and, and no cars are built in Switzerland, but the importers of cars into Switzerland are saying, hey, this is a really bad idea to announce this to people uh, because what they're going to do is they're going to go to gasoline, or as they say in, in Switzerland, petrol vehicles. Yeah, it's a really bad time to be announcing it. I mean, you got to think about the war in Ukraine that's going on right now. People are already upset and antsy about their heating oil and about petroleum shipments in general. So to say this, we're going to you know limit your EV use during power downturns and during times when the high stress on the grid. Uh, I could see why that would definitely uh, cool sales of EVs, um, if not for only the only reason that you don't believe that you'll be able to charge it again when you need to. And this just doesn't apply overseas. I mean, it could well apply here. We have threats of brownouts in, in California fairly frequently. And of course, that could chill uh, EV sales here in the United States. It's not just some some foreign uh, proposal that's real strange to us. Yeah, and unfortunately, EV sales need all the help they can get. Right, true enough. But when we come back, we will be talking about some vehicles uh, that we've tested this week. Some pretty cool stuff, so stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Red with you, and thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Hi, this is Jackie Red, host of America on the Road. I'd like to tell you about my latest book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime novel inspired by true crime. Many people have told me it is the perfect follow-up to Fatal Photographs, my true crime account of the notorious Hollywood bathing suit model murder case. In Dance in the Dark, Jason Griffiths is a rock and roll drummer turned computer programmer who fears for his life, but he doesn't know why. After living a quiet life for years, suddenly his girlfriend leaves him, he meets the most beautiful woman he has ever seen, and within days he's wanted for the murder of a drug cartel enforcer, a murder he didn't commit. The cops think he did it, though, and so does the boss of the cartel, so he's stuck between the law and the mob with nowhere to turn. The only person who might be able to help him is the new woman in his life. But will his stunning new companion be an asset or an enemy? And can he escape the desperate situation he's trapped in? Dance in the Dark is available in paperback and as a Kindle ebook at Amazon and at E.M. Lancey Publishers. Right now, it's at a special low price that will save you five bucks. That's Dance in the Dark by Jack Arney Red. Thanks for checking it out. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Chris T. Jack Nerad back with you, and it is road test time. And fascinating vehicles, I think, we have for you. Um interesting vehicles. I'm curious about an EV that you were driving in the midst of, well, almost, I guess <laughs> we're not quite to winter, but in late fall uh, in Maine, uh, you were driving the Chevy Bolt EUV. Tell us about it, Chris. Yeah, I think our late fall probably is about as brutal as a lot of people's winter. I think it was around 11 degrees here last night, so uh, definitely getting down there. But yeah, the 2023 Bolt EUV. Jack, before I get started, I want to talk about the value proposition here. Uh, we talked a few weeks ago about the Genesis Electrified G80. And then after that, we talked about the F-150 Lightning. Both are fantastic fantastic EVs, but both of them are 80,000 plus when you get into the more de desirable features that I would want if I were going to use them to haul my family around. So uh, to talk about this vehicle, which had a starting price of around $33,000 before some options were added, it's an incredible value. And then here in Maine, we get a $1,000 instant rebate from the state energy uh, authority. Uh, and the car will be eligible for some degree of federal tax credit next year. So I just want to get your thought on this. So under 40 grand, you get some sort of tax credit here. I'm not sure how much it'll be after the new year. But this is a strong value, Jack. 
I think it is a strong value, and it's, I think, maybe one of the few really strong values among EVs out there. Maybe that's why Mary Barra is, is so optimistic about what, what General Motors is going to do next year, because uh, this is a value story that you're not finding a lot among EVs. Yeah, it's not, you're not. It seems like they're getting more expensive every day, and to be able to come out, it's a good. I'd be bullish on my EVs, too, I think, if I had one like this. But uh, So it comes in two trims. Like As I mentioned, it starts around $28,000. That's for the base LT trim. I tested the up model, which is the premier level trim, and this one had two desirable features that I'll get into. It had the red line appearance package, which added black wheels, a nice interior, and some cool uh, exterior trim pieces. And this one also had Super Cruise, which I'll get into a little bit uh, later on, which is a fantastic touch in a vehicle at this price point. So all in, just under 40 grand. I will tell you that here, our dealers are selling these for a discount. So uh, wherever you are, you might see the same thing. It's one of the few new EVs I've seen that's not completely marked up. Uh, so it's got a front-mounted mo- front electric motor, front-wheel drive, 200 horsepower, 266 pound-feet of torque. This is not the red-hot, scorching, rip-your-face-off EV like the F-150 Lightning or some of the other ones we've talked about. This is a middle-of-the-road crossover, Jack. This is one that feels like a family car that you would go buy, you know, a gas family car. Uh, nothing out of the ordinary here. Zero to 60, just under seven seconds. I think that's probably irrelevant in a car like this, but it does feel peppy it feels lively it's ready to go there's never a time when i was like man i think i need to time this pull out into traffic a little bit better because i don't have enough horsepower or grunt to get where i want to go uh charging is 200 i'm sorry the range is 247 miles this vehicle can take care take advantage of fast charging we talk a lot about the charging infrastructure here i actually uh downloaded the charge point app jack i'll talk about it let me locate all sorts of chargers in the area that i had no idea about uh, but none of which are fast chargers so uh Plenty of charging infrastructure now, just not the right kind. I think I could complain about anything. Well, I tell you, once you have that ChargePoint app, it's hard to get rid of it. Even if you delete it from your phone, it seems to find its way back. I don't know how it's doing that. Uh, You know, I've had that. (laughs) I, I, I have no use for it right now. It's not that I have anything necessarily against ChargePoint, but boy, that thing keeps popping up my phone. I don't know how it happens. We will see. We will see. Uh, but the the Bolt EUV comes standard with a 10.2 inch uh, infotainment touchscreen. I really like Chevy's infotainment system, Jack. We've talked about these. We talked about uh, UConnect from Stellantis, Ford Sync 3. I think Chevy's is not as quite as good as those, but I think it deserves to be in the conversation. Uh, it's colorful. It's responsive. It's easy to use when you're driving. So there's never really like a mystery of where you need to tap to accomplish uh, a setting change or something like that. And the thing that I really like that Chevy did is they gave physical controls for climate. So you can set the heated seats. You can turn the, the temperature, the the, uh, the vents up and down without having to fiddle with a touchscreen, uh, which is something a lot of automakers don't do now, right? Like Volkswagen has all of it built in. Uh, even Ford does it now with the large uh, touchscreen. So it's very nice to have that redundant control that you can just reach over and change the seat, raise the, the temperature and whatnot. Uh, plenty of legroom in here. This is a little bit bigger than the Bolt uh, hatchback, the standard Bolt. Uh, two car seats fit without issue. Two people can ride in front without issue. My now 70-pound golden doodle can ride standing up in the back. Uh, he does block out the back window, but he has room to stand up and move around. Uh, so, Jack, I can't talk enough about the value here. I'm going to stop rambling because I want to get your opinion on it driving in Southern California. But uh, for me, I think if I were going to buy an EV today, 
it's in my price range. It's got the features I need. Uh, and I think it's a great it's a great uh, pick. Yeah, I think it's a great pick, too. I think in some ways there's a little bit of marketing in the EUV versus the Bolt EV because it's really not uh, much bigger. I don't think it I, I actually think the Bolt EV, if I looked at it, if I remember the figures, has a little bit more cargo area, which is weird, right? Because this one's pitched as the SUV. It's a little taller. I think it maybe has, uh, you know, taller tires or something like that. Uh, Three inches better legroom and back, which was the important part for us. Yeah, that is important. And maybe they're they're stealing from the cargo space, too, because it's essentially (laughs) the same platform with the same driving system. It is. And I said I was going to mention Super Cruise real quick before I run out of time. Uh, This vehicle comes optionally with the hands-free driving technology. It has the same steering wheel mounted uh, lights and the cameras that the Cadillac Escalade has. Uh, so it's a fantastic addition. It is expensive for this vehicle, but uh, it's worth it if you can find one with a discount. I just wanted to throw that in before we move on. Good vehicle, and uh, it's something you should take a look at, the uh, Bolt EUV from Chevrolet. Well, I was driving a vehicle that um, I guess you could say is more substantial than I expected it to be. And uh, here's the story. I walked out my front door. I'm looking at the Hyundai Elantra HEV, the 2023 Hyundai Elantra. And this is a vehicle that in, in previous years, we would say the Elantra was kind of a small car. Uh, I'm looking at this thing going, wow, this, this looks like a midsize at least. This has got uh, plenty of size, uh, plenty of heft, plenty of sophistication. And then when I drive it, even more so. So here you have a vehicle that can um, transport five people with no difficulty. It, you can have it as a conventional vehicle, as kind of a sporty vehicle in the N form. And then as the hybrid electric vehicle, and the the great thing about the hybrid is its fuel economy. I mean, more than 50 miles per gallon of fuel economy. So you have nice interior room, a big trunk, pleasant enough driving characteristics. I wouldn't say it's super fun to drive, but it's not uh, painful at all to drive. It has plenty of power. Just a a lot to like all about, uh, about this vehicle. And it's good looking on top of that. So I was very impressed with this vehicle. This vehicle was totally redone about two years ago, I think in the 2021 model year. It got longer, it got wider. Uh, Those are the ways that engineers improve, quote unquote, their vehicles. And they can go too far, but I think in in this instance, they really didn't. Uh, It now has a fully independent multi-link rear suspension. So a pretty sophisticated rear suspension too. A nice looking interior. I mean, you were talking about the uh, Chevy infotainment system in the Bolt. Uh, The infotainment system, I think, in Hyundai and Kia vehicles is very, very good, very intuitive. I mean, it doesn't have a catchy name or anything, but it just seems to work and seems to be something you can immediately grasp how it works, which I think is important. It's nice to have that happen when you're driving. You don't have to learn something. There's an eight-inch color display with wireless Apple CarPlay, wireless Android Auto, HD radio. The blue version is the lesser of the two hybrids, or you might say it's the greater of the two because it has better fuel economy. But it has fabric cover seats and uh, those kinds of things. And then if you buy the limited, and we were testing the limited version, it's the more zooty uh, luxury version of this vehicle with a 10.25 inch display screen, actually two of them, one for the instrumentation and the other for the infotainment. So a whole lot to like about that. The hybrid powertrain provides enough power. There's 139 horsepower combined. You know, that's not a ton of horsepower. You're, I'm not going to blow off your GTI uh, when I'm racing you, Chris, but uh, you know, this is a vehicle I, I like quite a bit. What's your take? I agree. You know, the last Elantra I tested was the N, which is extremely sporty and probably too sporty for me to, as a daily driver. But 
as you point out, the regular Elantra, the styling is sharp. Hyundai did an incredible job with the, the shapes and the sculpted sides and the way that they did the, the exterior style. The interior feels more expensive uh, than the, the price tag actually is. Uh, the, the infotainment is simple. It's easy to use. It's not very distracting. So I think this all around is a great car. It's got a great warranty, as you mentioned, and you can't beat the fuel economy. So I, I would absolutely shop this car. I mean, one potential issue for some people, I think, is the dual clutch transmission. It has a six-speed dual clutch transmission, which doesn't necessarily, it's not intuitive in this kind of car. I mean, usually you see continuously variable transmissions of one type or another in a hybrid. And that's because uh, you're not expecting to shift yourself or have a, have a ton of fun uh, doing that. I don't know that the character of a dual clutch really matches up with the hybrid system. Uh, what's your, what are your thoughts on that? From my perspective, it's great because I think Hyundai and Kia have a great dual clutch. Uh, I think it's a, a responsive engine, but you're correct, a responsive transmission, but you're correct. It is a almost counterintuitive, right? You're not used to that driving experience. It does take a little more thought than just putting your foot down and going. But I mean, for people who like to drive, it's a great way to stay connected to your car without going uh, to a manual, which you can't get right now with a hybrid. Right. So. I think if, if you use it as an automatic transmission, you let it shift for itself. The shifts are a little clunkier than they would be in a, in a torque converter uh, transmission or even in a CVT. So maybe that puts some people off. But I mean, that is the only small complaint I would have about this vehicle. You can get one for well under $30,000. Again, EPA ratings of 53 miles per gallon in the city, 54 combined in, in the blue version, 50 miles per gallon combined in the Limited. This is a, a really excellent vehicle that uh, is not all that expensive. And, and heaven knows, even if you spend $29,000, which is the MSRP for the Limited, you're getting quite a value, I think, compared to what a lot of other people are spending right now. Yeah, it's a whole lot of car for the money. Absolutely. So two cars that we like very much, the Chevy Bolt EUV, as not the Chevy Bolt EV. So don't get messed up with that. They're so similar, though. You... <laughs> Almost can't tell the difference. And then the Hyundai Elantra HEV for hybrid electric vehicle. Both absolutely worth a look. Well, when we come back, we will have a really good interview for you. Thomas Sunday is the Senior Planner of Product Education at Toyota. And he is an expert on the 2023 Toyota Prius. It is good looking. I have driven it. I will sit down and talk with him about it. And I think you'll learn a lot about the new Prius. So stay with us for that interview. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Red with you, and thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Red with you. We're outside San Diego, California. We're actually in Del Mar, beautiful spot, um, driving a wonderful car, a truly good-looking car, the 2023 uh, Toyota Prius. Correct. Uh, Tom Sunday, Thomas Sunday, yes, Tommy they, Sunday. It all, all works. All of those, <laughs> uh, you know, a product education planner at uh, Toyota is with us, expert on Prius. Well, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate uh, you coming and joining us to experience the all new model year 23 Prius. Um, it has been completely redesigned from the ground up. We have uh, 190, up to 196 horsepower on the vehicle. That would be our all wheel drive. Front wheel drive is 194. It is our best fuel economy ever vehicle on the LE front wheel drive with 57 miles MPG. And it has an all new sleek one motion silhouette design, uh, which is- Well, and, and that's the thing, right? Yeah. I mean, this is a gorgeous car. I mean, uh, in, in years past, Prius, very functional, nice car, 
lot, a lot to like about it. Not necessarily the, the best looking vehicle of all time. This is a sexy looking vehicle. This is a really good looking vehicle that's housing a lot of new mechanicals, isn't it? Yes, yes. So our key goals here what we wanted when we redesigned a vehicle were appearance and performance. So fuel economy is still important to the heritage of Prius, but our main goals were to, one, improve the appearance, make it exciting, bring people in. Wow, that's a Prius. I'm excited about it. Second, once they get in the vehicle, get behind the wheel, experience a new driving uh, performance, a new level of driving comfort, ergonomics. So uh, with the increase in horsepower, we have the increase in zero to 60 acceleration that comes with it. And it is not like any other Prius. It's getting to be kind of a quick car. I think zero to 60 is seven seconds in the seven seconds range. Seven second right? range. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, it's exciting looking. Is there a, a little bit of trepidation about it being too exciting in a way? I mean, Prius has kind of self-selected its buyers. Uh, well, we hope not. <laughs> yeah, of course, you, you hope not. But I, I wonder about that, actually. Yeah, the consumer will ultim ultimately make that decision for us. But uh, we do want to introduce it to a new audience. So with the design, we're hoping that new people that uh, maybe weren't so excited about Prius in the past are like, wow, that's a good looking vehicle. Let me take a look at it. And then hopefully once they come into the dealership, they take it out for a drive and get to experience it because it is a wonderful sedan. It is a very comfortable sedan to drive. It's very exciting. Um, and uh, once again, everything's really been focused on the driver experience. Right. I, it is one of those vehicles, I think, uh, in this iteration mm -hmm. where there is more refinement than ever before. Wouldn't you say that it, oh. it's quieter, uh, it rides better, there's just a lot of things about it that are better than previous generations? Absolutely. So our approach was we were willing to we were willing to go a little bit different range with the quality of the materials, accept uh, a little more weight with the materials, accept a little more wind resistance with certain things and designs, for the sake of performance and comfort. And that's one thing you'll find is when you're sitting in the vehicle, you'll see it is a little more refined in terms of the level of materials that we're using, the foam in the seats, the seat back, seat bases. Um, additional features, heated and ventilated seats, you know, on the limited, an all glass panoramic, you know, roof. So there's many things that we did on that approach that we're say, saying, yes, it is a Prius. Yes, you can get the expected fuel economy that comes with Prius and still be friendly with the environment. Mm -hmm. But now you can actually have fun driving it and be more comfortable in it. Yeah. Let's knock off the, uh, you know, get the fuel economy behind us. It's a, a big number, and I think you want this to be the most fuel efficient hybrid out there on the road from any manufacturer. Tell us about that. So the fuel economy, when we take a look at our LE, which has 17-inch um, alloy wheels with wheel covers, it's, uh, the average fuel economy is 57 miles per gallon. But if we take a look at our XLE and our a limited version that has 19 inch alloy wheels. Um, they are taller and they have a little less rolling resistance, but we maintain our fuel economy with all the increased performance of 54 miles per gallon. It's interesting to me too that you have the the larger diameter wheels, but not necessarily that much bigger a footprint on the ground, right? I mean, they're Correct. not they're as still wide. Narrow. Yeah, they're still narrow. Yeah, they're still narrow. Fairly narrow. Yeah. And that's a trade off, right? I mean, you look at uh, in terms of handling and performance, mm -hmm. you're going to 
give up some of that potentially for fuel economy, right? I mean, talk, talk about those trade-offs a little well, bit, would you? Yeah, with with the obviously with a wider footprint of a, of a tire, you're going to get more grip. You're going to get better handling when you're driving the vehicle. Um, however, the current Prius handling has been drastically improved, both from an electronic uh, standpoint in terms of handling uh, communications that are taking place within it. The all-wheel drive is now the electronic on-demand all-wheel drive system. Uh, that's the same system featured in the Corolla, Highlander, and uh, RAV4 hybrids as well. So you're getting increased uh, torque in the rear wheels when you're on a cornering uh, on the all-wheel drive, but even on the front-wheel drive, uh, with the, the larger diameter, we're getting less rolling resistance, but with the improve, improvements in the suspension and the frame design, the stiffness of the vehicle, the stiffness of the springs, very impressive performance as well. Yeah, let's talk about drivetrain. Mm -hmm. uh, higher horsepower engine is probably the headline. Yes. Uh, and then even more horse, uh, horsepower out of the electric motor, right? Correct, or, correct. Right. So tell us about that. So. Um, the current generation Prius has a 1.8 liter gas engine. We are moving to a two liter gas engine. Um, on a net horsepower comparison of gas and hybrid engines to uh, current gen to next gen, we're going from 121 horsepower up to 196 horsepower on the all wheel drive. The front wheel drive- That's a giant increase, right? 70, I mean, you don't, you don't yeah. see that. You yeah, know, or, uh, 70 plus horsepower. Right. Um, the front wheel drive version is gonna have 194 horsepower. The all wheel drive and the front wheel drive have the same Gen 5 hybrid system, but it's just tuned a little different with the electric flow. That's where we're getting the difference in the horsepower. So the vehicle does feature our all new fifth generation hybrid system as well. Uh, and we are doing significant bumps in the uh, in the electric motors as well, so we're we're making some big bumps both both sides. Well, and it's rear. interesting to me. I mean, this is a, an engine. Uh, the gasoline engine has a very high compression ratio. Correct. Right, like yeah. fourteen to one. Something fourteen like to that. one. Yeah, we were thirteen to one on Which the already was high. High. We're moving to fourteen to one on the on the two as well. Does it use a, a uh, different kind of? Uh, set up as, you know, like an Atkinson cycle versus a It is a an Atkinson cycle. Yeah. Okay. It is an Atkinson cycle yeah. engine. Yes. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's operating in a fairly narrow rev range because that's how Atkinson. Atkin Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And then you've tweaked the uh, electric motors. I, I think that's interesting too. I mean, a lot of us who look at electrics go, well, now what are they going to do with electric motors? How do you hot rod these things? How do you make them more powerful? But yeah, you've gone ahead and done that. Yeah, we're making a jump. Uh, I apologize, I don't remember. It's like uh, 70 horsepower to 111 horsepower on the electric motor, front electric motor alone. The rear electric motor on the all wheel drive version is going from 7.1 horsepower to 40 horsepower. Uh, our battery output is 14% greater than the current lithium ion comparison, lithium ion to lithium ion. And then even our inflow for regeneration and recovery, we're 13% more efficient as well. 13% more efficient, and yet it doesn't seem obtrusive to me. Can you set the level of regen? Uh, or is no. It, it, so it's a particular level that is not intrusive. I think that's no. a great thing, right? No. I mean, you will get a little more regen feeling if you're in sport mode or you're in the downhill engine brake mode as well. You'll get a, a more bigger sensation with that, with the regeneration than standard eco or standard just, just driving in that terms but because of that better regeneration we're able to get more electricity back into the battery which happens to be smaller and lighter as well more compact it opens up more storage space in the back by being able to reposition that under the center seat yeah oh, that makes a lot of yeah. sense absolutely makes a lot of sense um 
I, very nice interior and great enter, uh, infotainment system as well. I know Toyota has been re-emphasizing infotainment and uh, kind of gone their own way there. Tell us about that. Correct. So this uh, generation is going to feature our most up-to-date system, the Toyota Audio Multimedia System. Uh, this is the same great system that allows over-the-air updates. So you can do software updates, not only just to the head unit, but to other things that potentially need to be done within the vehicle um, operating systems of the uh, ECU. Um, additionally, we have... And you can spy on everybody and not know where they are and what tavern <laughs> they've been to and all that. Oh, not quite. Not quite that <laughs> yet. Not quite that. But it is compatible. All grades are compatible with all of our connected services, our Drive Connect, our Remote Connect, Safety Connect, and Service Connect as well as Wi-Fi Connect. Now, not all grades are going to come with a, a full trial period of the full package, but from day one, it doesn't matter whether you buy the lowest grade with the 7-inch uh, the, the, the uh, uh, screen on it or you get the upgraded 12.3-inch you still have access to, to all those features. Yeah. In addition, we have wireless Apple CarPlay and wireless Android Auto. Yeah. Yeah. Toyota fans are applauding that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> absolutely. Because there's generations that and, didn't have that. Yeah, so and, and we also have on the XLE in the Limited, we have a available we, uh, a Qi charger. So you're able to slot it to keep your phone in place. It's got a magnetic backing to it. So as you, maybe you're driving a little more spirited down a mountain road here in Southern Cal. And yeah, we did that today outside Del Mar, didn't we? Yeah, it was fun to do. Fun to do. What is your favorite feature of this uh, new 2023? The looks, just uh -huh. the just the looks. Like the XLE and the Limited with the 19-inch alloy wheels, that sleek design with the hammerhead front, you know, design to it. The LED lights. And then when you come up to it for, you know, just for fun, our engineers put many Easter eggs throughout the vehicle and all of a sudden, hey, look, it says Prius right here in the, in the, in the fender trim or, you know, panoramic view mirror, uh, roof up on the, on the top. It's so much fun. Just quickly to build on that because to me, favorite is just the looks, but getting in it and driving it and actually experiencing that this is not your Prius. You don't have to be worried about it. How, how quick was the previous Prius in terms of zero to 60? you have a sense of that? I, Did I, you gain like two seconds or something Yeah, like we that? gained about two seconds overall. Yeah, yeah with it in, in terms of it. I've had the chance to go back to back with it and experience both in a, uh, in a test track you know, scenario where, mm -hmm. where you could drive and, and really get a feel for it. And it's not just that it's faster, it's the feel. It's more of a you would expect from a vehicle that has on an electrified platform. It has a steadier acceleration power and ramps up. Yeah. Know? It struck me that previous generations of Prius uh, emphasized fuel economy so much that there were some things that uh, refinement maybe went not, not out the window, but it, it, you know, it took a second, second seat to uh, fuel economy. This time around, not so much. It seems much more refined. Am of, I right? Of course, of course. So um, priorities were performance and driver experience. And fuel economy was not the top one. We Obviously, Prius has a heritage that we want to maintain with fuel economy. But our two main focuses were appearance, slucky, uh, uh, sexy, sleek, one motion silhouette, and the overall drive experience. So Sexy and Prius, I mean, that's yeah. not something that necessarily goes together in your mind, right? No, but because, uh, because we have a, a broad electrified platform of hybrids now. We don't have just Prius. We're not 
the trendsetter Prius is a key component to our platform. It's a key, key component to our future goals of carbon neutrality by the year 2035 with, with, with our vehicles as well. So naturally Prius, when it comes to sales and trendsetters, not going to be what it used to be, but it fits a very important key within our lineup. You know, it's, it's that mid sedan, level sedan that we have. It's carrying the Prius name. It's a great family sedan with young families, new buyers that fit in there. So overall, you know, our, our sales goals for the first year are 35,000 units here in the United States. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when does it come to market? When, when uh, Prius will be available in, in January. Wow. In so right around the corner. Yeah, speak right to around. your dealers now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, probably a hot ticket, I would imagine. So. I would think so. All right. Well, Thomas Sunday, thanks so much for being with us. We You're do welcome. appreciate it. I truly appreciate you having me. Thank you for coming. Great to talk to you. And uh, thanks so much for being with us. Stay with us for the next segment of America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague. This is Jackie Red with you. And it's listener question time. We've practically come to the end of the show, but we do have a good listener question. Very apropos of the season because we're coming up on Christmas. Here's the question. This is from Ken in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Ken asks this. Do you think buying a car for someone is a good Christmas present? It seems like something that would have a big impact, but I'm wondering how you would go about doing it. For instance, how do you register it to someone else? Whew. Well, I'm sure it would have a big impact, but depending on who you are buying it for and how much you spent on it, the impact might not be as positive as you had hoped. Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is I don't think you can register a car to someone else. Otherwise, I could just buy a car, register it to Jack, and then go rob a bank and blame it on Jack. Uh, so the person who you register the car to has to be there. Uh, for this to happen. And I will say if you're buying it for a child and you have your spouse on board or you're buying it for someone else and your family's on board, that's fine. It's probably not the best idea to surprise a spouse or someone with a car unless the price of that car is totally inconsequential to your everyday finances. So uh, I could see a situation where I would end up with a, a fist size uh, <laughs> mark of this. No, I'm joking, but it would not go over well in my house. Yeah, I think it, it makes some sense to consult your spouse. It, it, you, you think to yourself, wow, that would be great. My wife needs a car. I'll get her, quote unquote, I guess it's getting us, maybe be registered in my name, a car, and she'd be quite excited about it. But I'm not certain exactly how you go about doing that. And that would be fairly simple versus registering in the name of somebody else, like your your dad or your mother-in-law or somebody like that. Yeah, I still, I would probably still steer clear of getting a car for someone. Uh, I think we, at least in my house, we discuss Christmas presents pretty thoroughly before we purchase for the other ones. So. Maybe that takes the fun out. Oh, good for you. <laughs> I mean, that's a rational way to go about it. Uh, I'm not sure that we're as rational as that. I don't always abide. I didn't say I always abided, but that's... <laughs> yeah. Well, mostly I let my wife take care of the buying of the stuff. I make the money, she spends it. That That's the deal we have. And uh, it's worked out for 30 plus years, so I guess I'm <laughs> going to stick with it. Well, before yep. we go, I want to plug my book. It's called uh, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime thriller inspired by true crime. And it's available from Amazon right now. So look for it or from E.M. Lancey Publishers, LLC. And I know you have something you want to plug a little bit too, Chris. Yeah, I want to talk about yourtestdriver.com. We have reviews, how-to guides, and the best uh, informational content you can find with very little selling to you. We won't sell you anything unless we use it ourselves. Jack, I uh, will also say that if you like what you heard and you want to hear more, our podcast is available on the sportsmapradio.com website. You can find our, our podcast on all the major platforms. Right, and if you like the show, please pass it along to a friend. Have them listen to this station 
Nation that listen to the podcast. Check us out on YouTube. See what hat Chris is wearing this week. I think you're wearing the same hat you were wearing last week, if I remember correctly. Yes. But it's, and it's pretty cool. And please join us again next week for another edition of America on the Road. Hi, this is Jackie Rad, host of America on the Road. I'd like to tell you about my latest book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime novel inspired by true crime. Many people have told me it is the perfect follow-up to Fatal Photographs, my true crime account of the notorious Hollywood bathing suit model murder case. In Dance in the Dark, Jason Griffiths is a rock and roll drummer turned computer programmer who fears for his life, but he doesn't know why. After living a quiet life for years, suddenly his girlfriend leaves him, he meets the most beautiful woman he has ever seen, and within days he's wanted for the murder of a drug cartel enforcer, a murder he didn't commit. The cops think he did it, though, and so does the boss of the cartel, so he's stuck between the law and the mob with nowhere to turn. The only person who might be able to help him is the new woman in his life. But will his stunning new companion be an asset or an enemy? And can he escape the desperate situation he's trapped in? Dance in the Dark is available in paperback and as a Kindle ebook at Amazon and at E.M. Lancey Publishers. Right now, it's at a special low price that will save you five bucks. That's Dance in the Dark by Jack Arney Red. Thanks for checking it out.